0: It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar, and premier sponsor QB. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at Qatar Economic
2: Live from Atlanta, this is a special edition of Sound On. He's going to be former senator because it's time for him to go.
3: All we saw during the general election was this is all about who's a Republican showing up and who's a Democrat showing up.
2: The Georgia runoff election. Politics, policy, and perspective.
0: At least the early voting numbers, Democrats are buoyed by those. Of course, Republicans vote same day in higher
4: numbers. He was an amazing running back. And he will need those skills because come Tuesday, we're going to send him running back to Texas.
2: BLOOMBERG SOUND ON WITH JOE MATTHEW ON BLOOMBERG RADIO. THE MIDTERMS FINALLY END TOMORROW. WELCOME TO THE FASTEST HOUR IN POLITICS AS WE JOIN YOU FROM THE CENTER OF THE POLITICAL UNIVERSE LIVE FROM ATLANTA WHERE CLOSING ARGUMENTS ARE BEING MADE IN TOMORROW'S SENATE RUNOFF SO WE CAN BRING YOU THIS RACE UP CLOSE AND PERSONAL ON THE GROUND. WE'LL BE JOINED IN A MOMENT BY GEORGIA CONGRESSMAN BUDDY CARTER, REPUBLICAN FROM THE FIRST DISTRICT, INCLUDING SAVANNAH, on how his party can mobilize voters tomorrow. Our signature panel is in place. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us for the hour. And we'll hear as well from two more local voices today. Republican strategist, president of Main Street Network Strategies Julianne Thompson, and Democratic strategist Fred Hicks, founder of Hicks Evaluation, an expert in data analytics and polling. We have made our way to Atlanta, where it is pouring rain on this final full day of campaigning. There we go. Sound from Loganville, Georgia. Bad to the bone. Where Herschel Walker arrived at the sounds of George Thorogood at his biggest event of the weekend before touring today, the northern reaches of the state, on the hunt for votes. The message is simple. In the wake of a record early vote, get to the polls on Tuesday. Here he is.
4: I want you to vote. Like democracy depends on it. Vote like health care depends on it. Vote like a woman's right to choose depends on it because it does. You ought to vote like it's an emergency.
2: All right, that's actually Senator Raphael Warnock, and we need to be careful here. He was campaigning here in Atlanta with his fellow Democratic Senator John Ossoff at his side. His message, much the same as Walker, get out to vote. It's hard to say more about turnout as a factor here, and it's supposed to keep on raining tomorrow my god i'll tell you it wasn't easy getting into town it was just pouring making the job ever more difficult for these campaigns in a race that is too close to call that's where we begin with congressman buddy carter republican from georgia's first district congressman welcome it's great to have you you're joining us i realize from washington but i have to ask are you worried about the weather here tomorrow
5: well yeah anytime you have inclement weather like that you have to be worried and You know, this is another reason why early voting is important, and we as Republicans, Mm. we need to embrace early voting. Uh, We typically want to vote on Election Day, and I get it and I understand it, but, you know, if it's raining cats and dogs, then it just makes it tougher and – I, I do think we've gotten better. I think that we've gotten better with early voting. I think we've embraced it more. But at yeah. the same time, we've we, we got to be smart about this because runoffs are nothing more than who can get their voters out. That's all there is to
2: it. That's right. Well, and I and I ask you that, of course, because that's that's the story here. We're at the turnout uh, point here, and we've seen a lot of early votes come from Democratic friendly areas. How do Republicans make up the difference in person?
5: Well, we've got to turn out. We've got to get out tomorrow. I realize that if it's if it's raining, it's going to be inconvenient, and it's probably going to be miserable, but that's okay. This is important. This is too important to let weather keep you home. Uh, look, a 50-50 split in the Senate is extremely important. We've learned that over the last two years. It means if we have 50-50, it means that we'll have 50-50 in the committee process, and that's extremely important. It also means that... Instead of Chuck Schumer being in charge with the 51-49 lead, then we've got 50-50, and at least we can count on Joe Manchin sometimes. Uh, not <laughs> all the time, I recognize, but I, I'd rather put my, my cards with Joe Manchin than yep. Chuck
2: Schumer. Well, if you he could hear you now. Were you surprised this race went to a runoff congressman? Republicans won every other statewide race in Georgia. Why not this one?
5: Well, so I think there were a number of reasons why. Obviously, uh, Herschel Walker, uh, the, the amount of money that was spent by the Warnock campaign and the amount of negative uh, campaigning that was done, uh, and, and obviously it had some impact. Uh, and we recognize that now. The fact that Herschel was the first the, – the, the Senate race was the first ticket or, or the first item on the ticket uh, as opposed to – maybe coattails of the governor who, who did exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, that didn't, that didn't, um, that, that didn't originate because of the fact that Herschel was first, uh, statewide federal races come before statewide state races. And, and that meant that the Senate race was first. So no coattails there. Um,
2: that well, that'll be the same deal, deal tomorrow, right? So he's, he's got to do this in a vacuum now.
5: And he does. He does. Um, there's no one else to count on, um, and that. But but then again, you know, I think we all recognize the importance of this, and that's why we have just got to get out.
2: Was Herschel Walker the best candidate for Georgia when you look back over the course of this campaign? Even Mitch McConnell was talking about candidate quality, Congressman. There've there have been some bizarre turns in this campaign.
5: There have been, and I think that's a question that needs to be asked, perhaps um, nationwide, about some of our candidates, but. Herschel Walker is a fine candidate. I think Herschel Walker would, would make a great senator. I think that he reflects the conservative Republican values of the average Georgian, as opposed to Raphael Warnock, who is one of the most liberal senators in the United States and who votes with Joe Biden. Herschel Walker is not going to vote with Joe Biden. Raphael Warnock is going to. That's that's clear there. And, and Joe Biden and Raphael Warnock do not reflect the values of the average Georgian.
2: Well that's interesting uh that you that you bring this up because Warnock's done pretty well considering the conditions that we just talked about right I mean you've got uh you had Brian Kemp at the top of the ticket in the general uh he it's the only race that a Republican managed to make a dent in you just wonder what might have happened you know if there was a different Republican candidate would that have been a different scenario
5: Well you know, that that's uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but sure. uh, again, I think that that Herschel Walker is a great candidate. And uh, I think that he is, um, uh, I, I think that he's taken a lot. There's no question about it. They've come after him full guns blasting and, and he's, he's, he's kept his chin up and he's continued to plow forward. And I think he'll do that in the United States Senate. And I'm very proud of him and I'm proud to have him on the ticket. And, uh, going to be proud to serve here in Washington DC with him when he's elected them all
2: what do you make of your lieutenant governor uh, and I and I say this knowing that Brian Kemp has thrown his weight in behind this weight and money and ground machine behind Herschel Walker the lieutenant governor of Georgia uh, says he couldn't bring himself the vote for Herschel Walker that he might have been the worst candidate ever for Senate here
5: you know, my mother, God bless her soul, always told me if I didn't have anything good to say not to say anything,
2: so I'll pass <laughs> okay. on that. Okay, uh, but that's got to have an impact in the end, right? People are listening. When something is this close, people are listening for clues to pull them one way or the other, Congressman.
5: Yeah, and, and the the clue is it's, it's – it's, look – Elections have consequences, and the reasons elections have consequences is because policies have consequences, and we are suffering the consequences now of the Biden administration policies. Now, do you want to send somebody from Georgia to Washington, D.C., who is going to support the Biden administration policy like Raphael Warnock is going to and has done, or do you want to send someone who reflects the conservative values of the average Georgian like Herschel Walker will and like Herschel Walker does? That's the question here. It is about policy. Herschel mm. Walker supports the policies that most Georgians support.
2: That's those would be Mitch McConnell's policies. Right. And I, I ask you that uh, because he he hasn't gone too deep in, in a lot of these issues. He just says, you know, Warnock votes Biden. So does that mean Walker votes McConnell?
5: Uh, I think Walker votes uh, conservative and he, and he votes uh, along conservative policies and with put conservative policies. And that's That's what Georgians want. They want less government. They want less government intrusion in their lives. And that's what Herschel Walker agrees with. And that's what he's going to vote for. And that's what he's going to support as a member of the United States Senate.
2: You said to Newsmax uh, that, quote, there is no reason a Democrat, unquote, should represent Georgia in the Senate. What would you say to people who live in Atlanta who support Raphael Warnock, who voted for him gosh, four times now, where are they wrong?
5: Well, I, you know, and that that comment was made and that statement was made in view of Georgia as a total, uh, as a complete state. And I think that when you look at the totality of the state of Georgia, I think we're still a red state. I think we're still a conservative state. And I don't think that Raphael Warnock re- reflects those values. I think he mm-hmm. votes with the Biden administration 96% of the time. And that's not what what the the majority of all Georgians, whether they live in Atlanta, whether they live in South Georgia or wherever. But when you take the totality of it, I think that most Georgians support conservative principles and conservative values and
2: policies. Back where we started, Congressman, I'm assuming you voted early uh, or absentee. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you're serving in Washington, D.C. here. Is that going to be the takeaway from this election? Republicans need to warm up to or at least those who haven't yet early voting?
5: I, I think it is. I think that combined with a number of other things, including the fact that now we have the Election Integrity Act in place that the Georgia State Legislature play, uh, put into effect, it gives us confidence that every legal vote is going to be counted. No illegal votes are going to be counted. It made voting easier and cheating harder. Mm-hmm. I think also we learned important lessons in the runoff uh Almost two years ago, when we didn't show up, when Republicans didn't show up from the runoff and we got uh, the results were two Democratic senators.
2: Congressman, thanks for coming to see us. I appreciate your insights. Representative Buddy Carter from the 1st District of Georgia, as we get things rolling here on the Fastest Hour in Politics, live from Atlanta and the best panel in the business. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are with us now on this election eve not really election eve, though, when people vote for two weeks already. Right? Maybe we should just do away with all of this uh, all of this jargon here, Jeannie. It's pretty interesting to hear a Republican warming up to early voting, knowing that that has been an undeniable factor in this campaign.
0: It has. And, you know, Congressman Carter, he made some really important points on that issue. You know, to win, Walker has to win election day by about 13 to 16 percent. That means getting them out to vote that day. Imagine, you know, if he had been able to, with the help of Republicans, get them out early, it could really change the ball game. But unfortunately, for re- Republicans, they've been listening to Donald Trump talk about fraud and now getting out early. So this is something Republicans are going to have to address. And if Walker loses this tight election, it's likely going to be on the backs of this early voting, one point eight five million mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. one third of them from black voters, which are largely democratic. Those are bad numbers for Republicans.
2: Are we reading into this the right way here, Rick? The conventional wisdom is those early ballots coming from uh, Democratic friendly areas from people of color advantage Warnock.
3: Yeah, I I think you are reading it that way, but I think it's not a uh, uh, it's not a done deal that every early vote in any given state is going to mirror those kinds of results. I mean, you know, we we ran successfully four times for John McCain in Arizona and he won. The early balloting every time. I mean, honestly, the last time he ran, it was almost impossible for him to lose on election day. He was Mm -hmm. so far ahead in the early vote. And it just happens to be a mentality that you have where you go out and you try and get that early vote. And Republicans, uh, I really don't understand the rationale around not contesting early vote. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes and, and one of the worst gifts of Donald Trump's administration.
2: Not contesting it or not embracing it.
3: Either. I mean, like it's the easiest one to get. You can call someone over and over and over each day until they turn their ballot in. And, you know, when they turn their ballot in, you can go knock on their door. You can call Mm -hmm. them up. You can go see them. I mean, it's amazingly a successful thing. And it does increase turnout, which is what we're seeing here.
2: So what do you do, Jeannie, if you're running the Herschel Walker campaign and, you know, it's going to pour like cats and dogs tomorrow, you know, offer to drive people?
0: Yeah, you get them out there any way you can. You offer to drive them. You offer incentives. You know, the rain You know is a really big issue and I think they should also get Congressman Carter out there. I mean, he made a really important case about why this matters for Republicans and that's a problem. that has been a problem for Republicans because it's Democrats who have been making the case on the campaign trail. This matters for our committees. It matters for us to get to 51. He just made a really important case for Republicans. This matters for us as well. We have been hearing that as much on the stump he should be out there for the walker campaign making mm. that case
2: hmm. well uh herschel walker was out over the weekend uh as we heard he's playing george through a good let's uh, let's listen to him actually here's herschel walker from that same event in loganville
4: now we're working on turnout 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 so we're trying to get the people out to turn out to vote get people out to vote tomorrow tell them to get out and vote 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 if you had not voted tell them to get out and vote
2: it's basically all he said, Rick. He hardly touched on issues. It was just go vote, and, and we'll, we'll talk after that. Is, is that the best closing argument, or is that the closing argument for Herschel Walker?
3: Well, there's not much left the night before an election. And yeah. so uh, the reality is that that is the message, which is he's got to get people to turn out, and he's got to get them to turn out in huge numbers if he's going to be competitive here. I mean, the, the state is split. And it it tilts Republicans. So if if he could actually make common cause in the last 12 hours with these voters, he can get a surge on voting tomorrow. But that's about all that he's got left. There's no other issue that's going to drive people to the polls that hasn't already been discussed.
2: Boy, well, okay. so that said, Raphael Warnock won uh, the first time around here. I have to be careful that that election in November by 37,000 votes. We know 200,000 people uh, split the ticket. And, and did not vote for Herschel Walker. Those who voted for Brian Kemp did not vote for Herschel Walker. Rick, how does that math come together tomorrow? Well, I mean, that's the
3: target group that you just described, the Brian Kemp voters yep. who didn't vote for for Herschel Walker. And, and and they know exactly who they are, right? By now, they've analyzed the voter list. They've been looking over it for the last 30 days. They've been making phone calls and doing door knocks. And And as I understand it, Brian Kemp's organization on the ground has stayed... Uh, fully employed and and are trying to get the vote out. If there is a big cut of that 200,000 and at least probably another 40,000 that would overcome a natural advantage that Warnock has, then, then the winner here is not just
2: going to be Mitch McConnell, but it's going to yeah. be Brian Kemp. So this is Kemp's machine uh, versus the Abrams machine, Jeannie.
0: It absolutely is. And, you know, if Kemp could pull this out on behalf of Walker, that is big bona fides for Kemp if he can do it.
2: Boy, fascinating. We're just getting started here with Rick and Jeannie and a lot more to follow on our first day on the ground here in Atlanta. The day before the runoff, we'll be here through Wednesday. This is Bloomberg.
1: The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at Forum.com.
2: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Sound on continues from Atlanta, hot land of the center of the political universe today with the runoff tomorrow. I'm Joe Matthew and joined with our Atlanta panel, Julianne Thompson's Republican strategist, president of Main Street Network Strategies. Fred Hicks is with us as well, Democratic political strategist and founder of the Hicks Evaluation Group, a consulting firm that specializes in candidates and issue campaigns. It's great to see both of you. Thank you for having us here in Atlanta. Uh, Julianne, there's been a lot of talk about the early vote and the need to get turnout tomorrow, and it's pouring outside right now. What do the next 24 hours look like for the Herschel Walker campaign?
6: Well, the next 24 hours are extremely crucial for Herschel Walker. Um, as we all know, the early vote, early vote in Georgia anyway, usually most often favors Democrats mm-hmm. here in Georgia. And we've had one point over 1.8 million early voters um, as of the end of last week when early voting finished and with over uh, over 60 percent of the absentee ballots that were mailed out have already been returned. So if we're looking at next week, uh, what Republicans really need to focus on and and of course hope for is that more than 1.5 million people need to turn out to vote in tomorrow's election um, and it's projected that approximately 59 to 60% of election day voters will be republicans so okay. republicans need those high numbers for turnout tomorrow so you need to a perfect a day
2: a perfect day in the rain is what is what is required
6: <laughs> <laughs> well we need people yeah. to turn out that are willing to That's stand sure. in the rain if necessary
2: hey fred i'm really taken by the 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 sort of campaign uh, cultures and approaches where you see Raphael Warnock doing six events a day and he's all over the state, he's doing a lot of media, a lot of interviews. Herschel Walker has been much more focused on uh, on fewer events, fewer interviews, focused on conservative
4: media. Uh, you couldn't have two different approaches in Georgia, could you? You really couldn't, and I think that's reflective of having two very – different slash divergent candidates for office. Um, and let me first say, I think that Julianne's numbers are, are spot on. Um, you know, based on data, that the way that we've run it, as mm-hmm. well as other firms, it looks like uh, you had about 52% of the early vote um, was comprised of Democrats and 48% or 47% of Republicans. And so to Julianne's point, if you have a low turnout below a million, that's heavily favored Senator Warnock. Mm. I think once you get between that one to 1.7 million, uh, 1.6 million it, it favors uh Herschel Walker and then as you start approaching 1.8 million it kind of swings back the other direction and so um you know the turnout is going to be really important and i think it goes back to what you're just saying you know uh the way that Senator Warnock has approached this hitting several cities in one day being active all the way up to the last moment is 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 reflective of what he's trying to do which is to bring back his January 2021 voters yep. so they can try to have the same yep. outcome.
2: What's the what's the deliberation in the in the Walker campaign? Uh, what goes behind the method? Why not get them out there in front of a lot more people, I guess the question, Julian.
6: Well, runoffs are very different in nature than the general election, whether it's a runoff for the general or a runoff for the primary. The campaigns are run in a very different way when it comes to a runoff. You have to get your voters back out. You have to get your base back out just a few weeks after they already turned out to yeah. vote for you. So I think that... Walker's strategy is focusing on those people that showed up to vote for the general election and um, not as much focused on the swing voter because it usually isn't the swing voter that decides a runoff. So mm-hmm. it is about turning out your base again for the second time. And I think that's where his focus. How is. How
2: do back. you get those 200,000 voters who voted for Brian Kemp in November but did not vote for Herschel Walker?
6: Well, Brian Kemp endorsed Herschel Walker and has been out campaigning for him and, uh, and you know doing a lot with him, traveling with him, making phone calls for him and doing everything he possibly could to get out the vote for him. So I think that that has helped uh, when it comes to a lot of those Kemp Republicans yeah. who did not necessarily vote for Walker in the general election, but the governor is doing everything he can to get those people to turn out to vote in this runoff.
2: Fred, a lot has been made about those 200,000 uh, votes. What do you make of that? And and did Brian Kemp show up too late for Herschel Walker? He obviously made some interesting decisions during the general election campaign that, that could have made a difference. He was, you know, Herschel Walker was sort of the Trump candidate. Brian Kemp was
4: taking care of his own campaign. Yeah. So I think, Julianne, would agree with this, that when you're advising a campaign, when you have a multi-candidate field like we did in November, uh, you want your candidate to run their race. And then if you get into a runoff and things work the way that you like for them to, mm-hmm. then you can worry about someone else. But I don't I don't fault Governor Kemp for doing that no more than I would fault mm-hmm. a Democrat for doing that. Um, and we saw that same dynamic on the Democratic side where Stacey Abrams and Senator Warnock didn't really campaign a lot together. They had a couple of things here and there, but it, they, they did not yeah. run. Um, to what extent is campaigns. the Abrams
2: machine? We were talking about this before mm-hmm. you came in uh, versus the Kemp machine helping Raphael Warnock right now. She did not win the governor's race, but she did do a lot of work for him that's still paying off.
4: Yeah, for sure. So she hasn't been very visible in this runoff. Um, So, but in terms of the machine, I I would refer to more more of the in terms of the infrastructure. And so registering over a million voters from four years ago, we saw that paid dividends in 2020 and in 2021, getting people excited, getting people mobilized, raising the level of civic awareness and engagement on the part of Democrats, even yeah. though you didn't see that in the November election, but that's there, and Senator Warnock has been able to tap into that. And to your previous question about 200, those 200,000 voters, um, you know, the, the, that's the prize in this runoff, right. and both campaigns have been going after them. One of Senator Warnock's early commercials and one that he runs, he's, he's run pretty heavily, centered around having a person who was a Kemp voter who said she was a proud Brian Kemp voter say that I just can't vote for Herschel Walker. Mm-hmm. So both the Walker campaign and the Warnock campaign are going after those 200,000. Yeah. You know, for Herschel Walker, he's trying to get them to vote for him. For Senator Warnock, just stay home. You don't have to vote no <laughs> in this election.
2: Boy, what this is really uh, something. When you consider the, I think, uh, the infrastructure, the Abrams infrastructure that that Fred described, How does the Kemp infrastructure compare with that?
6: Well, I think that the Kemp infrastructure is very strong. I think that you saw that by the fact that the governor did so extremely well in districts, congressional districts throughout the state of Georgia that favor Democrats. Um, If you look at Governor Kemp's numbers in, say uh, Congressional District Mm 2, Sanford Bishop's District, Where Bishop was successful, um, but Kemp was also very successful. I think you have seen that he can reach across the aisle and bring in in a lot of rural Democrat voters, as well as uh, really reaching out to the farmers. I think the farmers have come home to Governor Kemp. And so I think when you couple the fact that he has an extremely uh, well-oiled campaign machine with the fact that he himself is out campaigning for Herschel mm-hmm. Walker I think it's definitely um, I think it's a win-win for both campaigns. Uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow we'll see what happens with the weather and how things turn out um, but I think if Republicans do turn out to vote in the numbers that they should yeah. which which would be traditional for Republicans to do so then the Republicans have a shot at this.
2: what are we expecting tomorrow night I'd love to hear from both of you uh, or is this going to be decided we're going to find out lunchtime Wednesday Fred.
4: Wow. Well, you know, Julianne, if she's bold enough to make that prediction, I will. <laughs> I will happily let her do that. But I think it's going to be very close. Um, but you know, this is, it's, and it's, I don't
2: mean just in terms of how long till we get a result.
4: Oh, I think we'll have the results tomorrow night because yep. you. Do, you don't have a lot of absentee votes to, to count this go round. um the other the absentee in person so the early votes those are already you know sort of registered right. and then uh so i think we should know hopefully by nine thirty tomorrow night 9 30 10 o'clock this is the only thing on the ballot so there isn't yes. there isn't a reason to really delay so a same now, day
2: result julianne i
6: agree
4: yeah i now, agree we could have a little bit of a, an interesting thing if this falls within a half a percent um threshold with, that would trigger a recount and we could be facing that. And I think it's very possible that this election could be within a half a point tomorrow. It's so
2: it's a great, it's great that you point this out. We're not going to have a runoff on the runoff, but you could have a recount. Of the <laughs> a runoff, recount tomorrow. Right. <laughs> that's exactly a fact. Do you, what, what are the odds uh, on that? Julia, do you see that happening?
6: I, I think that the odds are, are fairly strong for that. Of course, I, I'm not going to say for sure that I yeah. think that that's going to happen, but I think they're fairly strong because this is such a razor thin close race. So, I, Georgia's going to be ground zero for a while.
2: Let's hear it for the election workers, huh? Oh, Absolutely. Georgia! How many yes. how many elections does this state need to have? Thank <laughs> God you have these people volunteering and working to make things happen. On the other end, we take them all for granted, don't we? It's we do. a
6: thankless job, but we appreciate. Them Isn't very that the much. truth?
2: Uh, wonderful to have both of you here. Thank you so much for your insights, Julianne Thompson, Fred Hicks. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. To the night before the runoff, and we know what the candidates are going to be up to. Senator Raphael Warnock still at it. He's doing about a half dozen events or something today. He's going to be at a brewery later on making his final arguments. And, well, who could blame him after all this? Herschel Walker, as I mentioned, is making his way through the suburbs. He does have an event a little bit later on. He's going to be uh, also, I- I'm assuming, taking part in a tele-rally that Donald Trump is planning to hold. On the age of the teletown hall and the tele-rally. What exactly does that do for a candidate? Uh, The former president has held similar calls on the eve of other elections, including, I believe, the Virginia gubernatorial race. Guess who's with me in Atlanta? Another member of the family. Mario Parker is here, Bloomberg politics editor. It's like, we're your sixth time to Georgia. I think, what, five elections, six visits? That sounds about right. Uh, great to see you here. Likewise. You were down for the primary. You were down for the debate. Here you are for the runoff. Does it feel different?
7: It does feel different. I think that uh, earlier this year, the primary, of course, was very suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the debate, we didn't know what to expect as well. Uh, but just being down here, I mean, it really looks like the, the the momentum that Warnock has that we've read about all the way up in D.C. Mm-hmm. is very palpable on the ground here mm-hmm. in Atlanta. So uh,
2: what's the point of a tele-rally, you know, when you've got somebody calling in from Mar-a-Lago, I'm assuming? Is that, is that to get turnout? Obviously, don't they're not raising money at this stage of the game.
7: It is. I mean, the former president is literally phoning it in, <laughs> right? So I don't think uh, that— uh, By his... design, right? He couldn't come here in person. That, that was not in the cards. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, they tried to—his aides, from what we understand from our reporting, some of his closest aides— tried to, excuse me, uh, unsuccessfully lobby him to delay his president in November 15th presidential yeah, right. announcement until after this race, right? He took a shellacking. Mm. He's taking, uh, he's borne a, a lot of the, the the blame for the underwhelming uh, midterm uh, performance by Republicans. The last thing he wants to do is to take the blame for this race as well.
2: Sure. Right. And the I guess the same could be said for Joe Biden, who's also not here for a reason. Sure. Um, so, you know, we've been talking this hour about term- turnout is that all that's left here you're not you're not going to be convincing anybody i'm assuming to make a choice between one candidate or the other the question is do you stay home or not exactly that's a pretty grim state of affairs for some people
7: it, it is it is it really is and what we're saying is that they're uh, they're the both candidates are squeezing every bit uh, of they every bit of the vote the juice that they can out of their base at this yeah. point. You're, as you mentioned, uh, Walker has been canvassing some of the more Republican bastions of the state. Uh, Warnock has been all over Atlanta, just trying to turn out uh, voters there, particularly Black voters as well. I mean, a runoff. It's cliche to say, but it's the truth. A runoff is based on you have to turn out your voters these voters. You said it. Um, let's reassemble the
2: panel here. Hang out with us uh, for a little bit, Mario. Uh, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are with us as well uh, as we broadcast live from Atlanta here. Uh, what's the point of a tele-rally with Donald Trump at this point, Rick? It, could it could it actually do damage to the Walker brand?
3: Well, a tele-rally, basically you invite people who are on a list to get on a conference call. And I suspect yeah. these are highly identified Trump voters uh, who, uh, who would have been invited. So it'd probably do no harm. Although just getting Trump in the narrative in local news is right. uh, probably counterintuitive, but I guarantee it was because of Trump wanting to play a role in this, not because, the uh, people around huh. Herschel Walker thought it was a good idea.
2: So how does, how does, uh, Raphael Warnock spin some stories out of this in the last 24 hours, Jeannie, you tie Herschel Walker to Donald Trump every chance you get.
0: That's right. And, and you know, listen, let's compare. Warnock's going to end his day with Killer Mike at the Swag Shop Barbershop. Would you rather be there or would you rather be on the telecall with Donald Trump <laughs> spewing hate and anger? Uh-huh. So, you know, and just, you know, claiming he wants to, you know, rip up the Constitution. So, you know, for Warnock, they have to feel, as, as Mario was talking about, pretty good about where they are right now. Now, all that said, they can't take anything for granted. And we've been through several election cycles that defied expectations. So mm-hmm. if anybody says they know what's going to happen tomorrow. None of us do. But the numbers so far and the energy look good for Warnock. And the more Trump out there, the better for Democrats.
2: Rick, how much of a problem is Jeff Duncan, the lieutenant governor? You've got Brian Kemp throwing everything behind the Herschel Walker campaign. Lieutenant governor goes on TV and says he couldn't even bring himself to vote for Herschel Walker. He walked out of the place the first time. And now that he has voted, he chose someone else.
3: Well, in political terms, we call this creating a permission structure. Oh, there's a high value, high profile Republican who's giving Republicans, other Republicans, a permission to vote either against him or not for him. You know, just stay home. And, And that is a tried and true exercise. I mean, some would even say that. Uh uh, uh uh representative cheney showing up in arizona you know in the last mm. you know a few weeks of the election with an ad saying you know i'm a republican who've never voted democrat in my life but i'm right. gonna if i were in arizona and i'd be voting democrat for the uh, governor's race and of course look what happened a lot of republicans did just that so creating this permission structure is a device in politics that tends to work very well if you have the right
2: person as the messenger what does brian kemp think of that mario
7: uh, well Brian Kemp, I think he's trying to be a good soldier, right? A good Republican soldier. Let's not forget that he kept his distance away from Marshall yeah. Walker during most of the general election until he was okay. That's right. At this point, he's just being a good good party leader, a good state party leader here in Georgia.
2: What's he telling Jeff Duncan when the when the cameras and microphones are gone? I mean, give me a break
7: here, guy. I'm trying to do something. I would love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Uh whatever he's saying hasn't slowed Duncan down at all, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's only increased uh, some of that messaging Uh, yesterday. I mean, I wasn't on the ground here in Atlanta for four hours before I saw a a, a Warnock ad featuring those comments from Duncan. Isn't that something? It's made
2: for a commercial. Jeannie,
7: you pointed out that Warnock's with Killer Mike today.
2: Does that speak to the need to get people in Atlanta out to vote? What's the strategy?
0: Yeah, to get people in Atlanta out to vote, to get young people out to vote, we've seen him on college campuses. You know, the young, the youth vote in in this uh, this special election has been, or this runoff, this early vote has been a little lower than they want, so they're trying to increase that. Young people very important for the Warnock campaign, and I have to say on Jeff Duncan, you know, one of the fascinating things about that, did he need to wait in line for an hour to realize who was <laughs> on that ballot, or did he know in advance? I Sounds like a, hard a campaign time with commercial.
2: That. Yeah. I- I have a hard time with that one. Uh it's it's Ricky, you're the lieutenant governor and you don't know who you're gonna vote for when you show up. It did feel like a little bit of this was orchestrated, but we've been talking about the two hundred thousand voters who split the ticket. He's he's gonna make that real hard for Herschel Walker to get them.
3: Yeah. As I said, I mean, he's creating a reason to not vote for Herschel Walker. He's saying I'm a good Republican. I'm a state office holder. I'm a you know very strong member of the Republican Party of Georgia, and I'm not voting for the guy. Why should you? And, you know, why should you is just the only thing left out of that equation.
2: Incredible. By the way, the direct line, Mario, was, quote, one of the worst candidates. You get this right? One of the worst candidates in GOP history. Yes. That's heavy duty.
7: That is heavy duty. And, and to go back to Rick's point about permission, Yeah, uh, you, you saw one of the places that Walker went today was this place called uh, Flowery Branch, right? Mm-hmm. He lagged Kemp in the votes there, and, and Warnock outperformed Abrams. So this is a problem for him. Yeah. I'm so glad you came by. Mario Parker with us on the ground
2: in Atlanta covering the runoff tomorrow. This is Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on
1: Bloomberg Radio.
2: We keep telling you the race is too close to call here in Georgia. And, well, it is, or we wouldn't be doing this runoff election. The polls, though, much like the early voting trends, do favor the incumbent, Warnock, as I look at Real Clear Politics and the poll of polls, the RCP average here. And we've gotten just some new numbers in the last... 24 hours here. In fact, three different polls added to the pile give Warnock a, a composite spread of 3.9 percentage points. He's basically four points up. And, while well, that's going to be inside the margin on most polls. Let's reassemble the panel for some final thoughts here. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano looking ahead to tomorrow's runoff. Are these numbers, Rick, going to ring true tomorrow night?
3: Yeah. And the only numbers that are going to read true is uh, turnout numbers tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm, I'll be looking for some of these rural counties that, that doesn't usually get the attention that they deserve. But we were talking earlier about how, you know, uh, Kemp overperformed uh, uh, all comers uh, in CD2. Uh, yeah. That's a really good indication of whether or not that base Republican vote is going to make it and whether or not some of those Kemp voters are turning out for, uh, for, for Walker. So uh, my eye is going to be on the rural, uh, blue-collar uh, uh,
2: male voter. And, and the second congressional district specifically you've got eyes on?
3: Yeah, that's a good example, you know, of where uh, Herschel Walker has to do well. If he yep. is just repeating where he was, you know, in the general election,
2: not good enough. How do you gauge this during the day tomorrow, Jeannie? What are you watching other than specific areas like that, whether it's a congressional district or a certain suburb? Are you looking literally at lines, at, at people standing in line?
0: Yeah. And I think where they are, um, you know, and I think for the Warnock campaign in particular, they are, again, very focused on the youth vote. So around these college areas, these enclaves, it's been a little lower than they wanted in this uh, period. They want that to be up tomorrow. And they think college students, young people may get out same day if they didn't vote early. So that's what I'm going to be watching for. Do we see any movement there, which would be a good sign for Democrats?
2: Interesting that uh, you're you're seeing them both out in the field today. Herschel Walker actually added an event for later on uh, tonight, apparently. Are are these sort of game day calls that you make based on what you're seeing and hearing, Rick? Is it based on any sort of data or or does a campaign manager just go with the gut the day before?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of gut going on 24 hours before the polls open up and – you know, you hear anecdotes from your field organization telling you, you know, you've got weakness here, an opportunity there, and you don't want to leave anything on the table. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is the least scientific day. All the ads have been placed. Huh. There's nothing else you can do but show up with your candidate to get any kind of attention. So, uh, really, if if you look at where Herschel Walker's been today, you can tell where some of the places are that he's going to need to do well.
2: And apparently it's not Atlanta. They've sort of given up on that for good reason Jeannie
0: yeah they have I mean he is trying to go to those rural areas get the vote out there that went for Kemp or that went went with Kemp but either stayed with you know avoided him or just you know uh, went went maybe with Walker so Uh they're going to try for that and it's going to be a hard push and I think it's you know more hard because he had a much easier schedule over the last weekend than did Warnock and he's picked that up a bit today so he's trying to see if he can push that through to the
2: end. I'll be curious to see who shows up on morning TV shows, if either of them do uh, tomorrow. Lastly, Rick Davis, are those 200,000 votes Republican, independents, or both?
3: Uh, they're they're probably independents with some soft, you know, likely voters, people who otherwise wouldn't have turned out other than to show up for for Kemp. So the governor mm-hmm. really did pull them in. And, and I don't want to stress them too much, because in a base election, those kind of people don't come. Right? They don't show up for the uh the runoff. So, you know, we've already got almost 2 million people voted. Um, You know, you had uh, uh, probably 56% turnout, 57% turnout in the general election. You know, how, how close can we see those numbers coming in? You know, will you have another 2 million, a million and a half show up tomorrow?
2: Boy, that's going to be fascinating to watch this in real time. Of course, you'll be able to do that and listen in real time right here on Bloomberg. Rick and Jeannie, thank you both. We look forward to getting back together on runoff day. We're going to go from here in Atlanta to chase some candidates. And we'll have a lot more for you tomorrow, including a special conversation with Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state here in Georgia. I'm Joe Matthew in Atlanta. This is Bloomberg.